Welcome to the Love, Sex and Intimacy podcast for women who want to experience intimate relationships and sex that are pleasurable and passionate, happy, thriving and deeply fulfilling. With my very special guest experts guiding lights and pioneers in their specialist areas, we'll be breaking down the myths, exploring the difficult stuff, the good stuff and seeing what's possible for love, sex and intimacy at this time of rapid change. In these candid and intimate conversations, I'll be bringing you the best of sex and relationship education, full of practical ways to support and inspire change in your intimate life. I'm your host, Sarah Rosebright. Whether you're curious about what's possible or you're already committed to exploring, I'm so happy you are here. Hi, and welcome to this episode. And Graham and I, before I dive into a little bit about today's episode, we're off to the UK Independent Podcast Awards today, where the Love, Sex and Intimacy podcast has been nominated for two awards. So I am super, super excited to head up to London to hang out with fellow podcasters and I'll keep you posted on socials about the uh, outcome of this evening. And I just want to say a little bit about podcasting at this time because I feel especially when it comes to sex and relationships, particularly sex, podcasting is such an important space. There is so much censorship on social media and, you know, myself and my colleagues, not only are we, we're not able to say certain things, we're having to constantly write in ways that really stop the flow often of our words and our creativity and our inspiration to try and fit in with algorithms, the shadow banning happening all the time, accounts disappearing overnight. And, you know, we're really at the mercy of big tech, especially when it comes to sex. And so having a space like podcasting where we can have these conversations freely that are censored elsewhere is just so vital. So I really appreciate everything you do to support the podcast as well. And whether it's this podcast or other podcasts that you love, it makes such a difference when you leave a five-star rating or follow or subscribe the podcast or leave a review um, or share on your socials and in your stories. It really helps spread the word so that people can find these podcasts organically because ultimately me and all of my colleagues that have been censored in this way, our hearts are really just wanting to make the world a better place. There's so much distortion and all sorts around sexuality, so many people struggling and we just want to spread the word with some great information, great stories, inspiring stories, all sorts of different things. So just thank you from the bottom of my heart for all the support that I get from those of you listening. I really, really appreciate it. And so today, this topic is the power of sexual energy for men with my partner, Graham Waterfield. And I did a little survey earlier this year and um, some of you shared that what you'd love to hear more of is um, the perspectives from men. So here we are. So Graham um, has been working with sexual energy practices for two decades himself and he now runs men's groups supporting men to work with their sexual energy. So in this conversation we talk about sexual energy, what it is, why it's important, the power of bringing our sexuality from the unconscious to the conscious, his views on ejaculating, not ejaculating, all sorts of different things. So I will leave you to this conversation and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Hello and welcome 
to this episode with my partner, Graham Waterfield. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me along. <laughs> a pleasure. So one of the things that I did a survey earlier this year about what people would like more of from the podcast. And one of the things that uh, women said particularly is they would love to hear more from the perspectives of men. And Graham works with men around sexual energy mastery, but also not just sexual energy mastery, other things as well. So I've invited Graham on today to talk about your work. So for those people who don't know about your work and what you do, I'd love it if you introduce yourself. Thank you. Um, my work is very varied, although it seems to have uh, really focused into went two things now from being a, a meditation yoga, Tai Chi teacher, counselor, coach. Uh, it seems to have really focused in onto um, two courses I'm running at the moment. One is the, of course, the work that we do together, which is the, the online course for couples. And um, what's also making up quite a large amount of my, um, my time and my practice at the moment is offering men practices of... Uh, I suppose, relating back to my uh, Taoist practices, I call them sexual energy mastery. So really, um, I initially started the training as a way of teaching men to work with their sexual energy in a way that I've been working with mine for 20 years, where I found really fulfilling, like life affirming, giving, really to give me more energy, health and well-being through the day. What surprised me is that when I started introducing men to these trainings, instead of just getting this uh, enhanced sense of well-being and happiness, suddenly they started reporting huge shifts in their life, whether that was, of course, I expected them to have more energy, but also they started to have big shifts in their, in their lovemaking, in the way they're related with their partners, uh, all these kind of things. And I, I guess we might speak about to that a bit later on. So in relation to what I do is that that really uh, is my two pots on the boil, working with men, helping them understand, befriend and work with their own sexual energy. And then, of course, the work we do together, uh, helping couples uh, communicate, uh, have deeper intimacy. So, yeah, this is my work at the moment, my deep work. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. So you um so, so the work that you do with men, you talk about it in terms of sexual energy mastery. So I would love to start with what you mean when you say sexual energy. How do you define that? Thank you for that question. It's really that's the question that's so powerful because in the West we we have this interesting view of sexual energy, of um, hyperstimulation leading to explosive, hopefully on a good day, orgasms. But actually what I mean is a, a much broader spectrum of experience than that. So in the in the Taoist system, they call sexual energy, they, they have different words for it, but one predominant word is called Jing energy. And it means our, our physical life force, you know, our well-being, our physical presence. It's like the fire burning in our belly, you know, it's, it's that type of energy. And so by sexual energy, I literally mean, uh, one way of describing it will be called joyful life force. And so by sexual energy, what I mean is a whole spectrum 
of joyful sexual presence or energy or Napoleon Hill in his book calls it he calls it the the emotion of sex so he calls it like emotion so we have anger is an emotion joy is an emotion which is a we could call emotion feeling in the body so he calls it the the emotion of sex so in other words the feeling of that surge of sexual beingness or the sexual self within us and so just like a dimmer switch on a light we have a whole spectrum of that experience and that's what i call orgasmic energy so 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 one might be oh we feel a bit of stimulation in the body feel a bit tingly feeling a bit good and then as we turn that switch slowly slowly up as we start to get into i guess what we would call in a western understanding generally of sexual energy then we have hyper stimulation from a, a, for a man you know a huge raging erection and you know uh, that all kind of that you know that that kind of idea that we have built off um you know probably 70s and 70s and 80s pornography films for my generation you know that's what we think sexual energy is but really it's that whole spectrum from, from one slight arousal of orgasmic energy in the body through to the intensity of an orgasmic feeling in the body, which leads to what we call the physical ejaculation uh, experience, which is, you know, the compression and contraction. Um, and then the, the uh, ejaculate for some men that comes out. So that's that would be the, the high end of sexual energy. So, yeah, that's what I mean by that. Mm, okay thank you and why is it important to work with our sexual energy why do you what, what's been do you mention that you did it for, for in the past for more energy so what are the benefits of consciously working with our sexual energy because I guess so much of how our relationship in all genders with our sexual energy is unconscious and can feel uncontrollable. Um, so I'd love to hear you share about that. That the word conscious is so um, important to, to sexual energy. You know, Carl Jung said, you know, if you don't make the unconscious conscious, uh, it will control our life and we will call it fate. So the, the idea of bringing any aspect of our being, our, our psychological patterns called the Shen in, uh, in Taoism or uh, Chinese medicine, the, the emotional uh, awareness, which is the heart center, you know, the, the qi awareness of the Jing Qi Shen diagram they use. Uh, and then we've got the Jing, which is how to bring our sexual self into the light of consciousness. And so referring to what Carl Jung said, if we don't make in consciousness, it simply controls us, often against our will. So I, I work with men who have what I call actualized themselves in industry, in relationship, in creating their dream life, in creating their dream body. You know, they can have all these boxes ticked, amazing life, apart from in other words, that's all been made conscious. You know, they're, they, they're working with that. They're actualizing those aspects of their being. Yet for many of them, because simply because they were never given the tools, that part of their being remains unconscious. In other words, kind of in control. And so this surfaces in a whole spectrum of different ways. 
One is during lovemaking with their partner, they may find that they don't, that they either feel desensitized or feel hypersensitized. And so the guys that feel desensitized that I work with, they, they may be able to make love for longer periods of time, but sometimes they feel kind of disconnected emotionally uh, from their partner as they're doing so. So guys who are very sensitive may feel like they don't have as much control over their ejaculation as they'd like to. So in in relation to 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 lovemaking, that's one aspect of it, you know, that the, they want to have a, a more beautiful and connected experience um present experience in lovemaking the other side is most guys you speak to don't really see a value of 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 masturbation you know so but it, for for many guys especially who have a lot of um stress in their life they're constantly on the go masturbation and sometimes that includes the porn use sometimes that can be um fantasy some guys that might even lead to a, a, a need for an affair or extramarital um, connections that they don't really want, but they don't really know what to do in, in extreme circumstances, you know. So, so what that leads to is that if that isn't made conscious and understood, that part of them is is kind of confusing. Like, for example, some men might not want to watch pornography, but somehow they don't know how to not do that because it's the only way that they can release their sexual energy and sexual tension. So it's kind of like a, a like a becoming a dopamine addict. So so to give an example, um, so a, a man might come in stressed from work or stressed from life. They have a buildup of tension that they feel in their penis and their testicles and their perineum. They have this literal pain and tension there. And so... So perhaps they'll have sex to just for the sake of releasing that tension, or perhaps they'll watch pornography because when they put, watch pornography, they get uh, they don't have to work at stimulation. So an image, an erotic image, that gives them a, a instant uh, erection, an instant uh, turn on, and then that instant turn off, in instant turn on leads to instant ejaculation. So within one minute, two minutes, whatever job done, release of tension, back to my normal life. Now, of course, the problem off the back of that is firstly, sometimes they don't want to, quite often they don't want to, but they don't know what else to do with that energy. But then secondly, they kind of feel tired then. You know, they're not just mentally tired and fuzzy, which means they can't really focus on their work. So maybe they reach for a glass of wine or, you know, something to, to kind of balance out that low feeling. But emotionally, they feel more disconnected from themselves. They feel this kind of low energy of shame and guilt. They they feel disconnected from their partners. And then even they might have to, to keep a, a, a part of their life kind of secret from their partners because some guys don't like to you know, talk about that side of their life because they're worried about how their partner might hear that or that lands with them. So if you think of all of just those things alone, it kind of creates this shadow self within men where they're shamed, uh, they're in shame a lot. Um, they feel tired when they don't want to feel tired. 
uh, they're not that they're not turning up to their lovemaking in, in in a way that they know that isn't as fulfilling as it could be and so yeah so all of those things are the are the importance of at least make, bringing this into the light of consciousness and awareness it's funny i i work with men who are keen meditators who've done vipassana retreats they've done you know which is all body awareness retreats or they've spent years doing yoga and 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 qigong and tai chi and they've managed to bring everything every other part of their life they've brought into consciousness but just their sexual self stays in the shadow as this little monster that they can't control and so it's so interesting when the monk men come on my course who've been on a healing journey for a long period of time because even the first week is such a breakthrough from them like oh my god my sexual i my sexual energy can be made conscious it can be brought into my healing journey and it can be experienced in a guilt-free wholesome way that enriches my health my life my psychological patterns my compassion in my heart my love for my partner my sense of well-being all that is possible and it's mind-blowing because they just never knew how to make that possible so yeah that's the importance of making that conscious mm. yeah thank you that's a really beautiful description of it and so why do you feel from your perspective of the world that it is so unconscious our, our, our sexual self i've done so much reading on this and there doesn't seem any definite answer you know, we, we have, where if we look at a lot of the formulation of our belief structures come from re, re, like religion. And then religion has this inherent idea like monks and nuns are celibate and, and you know, there was a virgin birth and, you know, Christ didn't marry him. And so in this Western culture, we have this underlying principle. Well, if they don't do it, there must be something wrong with it. And so let lust is seen, lust, which is of, of its call, is not sexual energy in any way that we can talk about that separately. But uh, that's seen as one of the deadly sins. That's going to send you to hell. You know? <laughs> so I think that there might be that side. There's also some philosophy around childbirth that it wasn't really till we 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 were able to, the pill came along, for example, or contraceptive means you know, childbirth, they reckon, was actually a very dangerous thing. You know, the, 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 the woman might die, you know, and or if she had a child out of wedlock, you know, back in the day, she wouldn't be able to find a husband. Or there, So there's, a, there's an idea that perhaps before it may have been um, an evolutionary thing that, um, that, that it just wasn't seen as a safe thing to do you know, to, to play with the sexual energy because it leads to babies and, and that can lead to complications, especially, you know, outside of wedlock and, you know, all that stuff. So that's, I, it's hard to know for sure. If I was more conspiratorial minded, I might say maybe it's to keep us down because when we realize the power of our sexual energy, when we, when we not only understand the power, but learn how to work with it, it's like, putting a turbocharger on our on our system you know our, our mind becomes much more intuitive much more perceptive our heart just opens we just feel so much more love 
And then within the body, we feel this presence of aliveness and being. And so, you know, it's, if so, if I was conspiratorial minded, I might say maybe there was a system that was just trying to keep us down. <laughs> so I, but I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to really figure out why this has happened, but we can see that it has happened. But for, God bless them for somehow that the Taoists and some of the tantric traditions of India managed to just keep a spark alive of, you know, the potential for the sexual energy and how it could be worked with. And so I think that's slowly finding its way back now, you know, podcasts like this, you know, courses that are out there, people are awakening to the potential of and the beauty of making their sexual energy conscious uh, and learning to work with it. So, yeah, hard to know. Have you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's I mean, it's just such a multi-layered question, isn't it? And where do you start back in history but absolutely religion original sin and all of these things are still running through our culture today around sexuality um and also you know we don't have any education on it which is a huge big piece we have the fact that um it is very uh you know how we how how we learn about sex, what we see in the collective around sex, we only see such a limited view of how sex can be. And so, you know, there's no space to explore. We don't see what an integrated human being looks like, somebody who is healthy and happy with their sexuality. It's so distorted in our culture for whether it's all the reasons you talked about in terms of control, um, ignorance all these different reasons so there's just so many different layers to it and I love how you articulate it in terms of bringing this unconscious piece conscious so that we can integrate it back into our beings in a way that feels true um true to us so yeah and it's interesting on the back of that as well because if we said okay it's because let's play devil's advocate and say okay maybe it's because there's something wrong with sex so you know it's maybe it's bad so let's let's not talk about it let's just not do it let's all be celibate apart from when we want to make babies which a lot of religious traditions said is the only point of it um that seems to have created it a monster with exploitation with, you know, oh, the 70s were, you know, the peep shows and the kind of, there was a kind of energy around that didn't seem that integrated and based on love and connection and wholesomeness. And so when we keep it in the shadow, it literally, you know, the whole Taoist thing is really things tend to, to become what you believe them to be, you know. So literally, when you say to 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 sex, sexual energy, you're you're sinful, you're bad, you're dark. That's exactly what it seems to manifest into. And so, and my experience is when you say to sexual energy, you're welcome here, you're beautiful, you're I could use the word divine. You're you're the life force. You're you're you know whatever one way you want to term that, it becomes that. You know that's what it becomes. So it, it just seems to make no sense to demonize sexual energy anymore. Um, but then I understand as well, it's like the, the pendulum, isn't it? The, 
that perhaps is instead of on one side you've got absolute abstinence on one side you've got do anything you want and so maybe in, a, in the the Taoist practices where do we find the middle path in those two you know is there a middle path where it's not what you know that it it that we might not find happiness in either of those extremes that happiness is somehow in the middle of the understanding of a level of self-regulation, but also a, a level of self-expression, you know, to, to find that for ourselves, maybe. Yeah. Mm. And I feel as well that it's more than the middle path, isn't it? Because the middle path is obviously how do, for me, is how do we move beyond that? Because it's not about taking a bit of that and a bit of that. It's about how, how what's possible beyond that and finding that integrated sexuality um, is a real question I think so many people are exploring because I know we've had some conversations about what we see in, for example, the Tantra world. And, you know, you've mentioned that some of the 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 men that you've worked with have come from doing like lots of Tantra workshops. And you think going to those places that they may find that integration or that place of peace. And that's not what you have found. So I'd love you to speak to that. Yeah, that's really true. And it was very surprising to me. Um, personally, I've never been drawn to the Tantra world. It just, it, for some reason, it just never called to me. What I, but what I mean by that, of course, I've done my own practices for years, but I wasn't able to really find something that was in alignment with my belief system. So, so most of the schools of Tantra, for example, um, would expect me to 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 have sexual experiences with different women you know that was and if i didn't then there was something wrong with me i wasn't spiritual i wasn't you know and i just they just never appealed to me that i i believe in you know i come from a very kind of zen Taoist kind of you know stay in your center and keep on going deeper with that with the same practice the same tai chi form the same meditation and by repeating that you drop into a deep and deeper space of being it's like a a down and in process and um i remember one of my great Taoist masters he said oh wow he said so many people in the west they want out of body experiences but i teach in body experiences and so it's like um i think what i witnessed that wasn't resonating for me in many schools of tantra it was it was very up and out, up and out, up and out. The the next, the, can I be multi-orgasmic? Can I have the biggest orgasms I've ever had in my life? Can I blast out of my crown chakra and meet with a, the goddess of the universe while I'm making love with my partner? It was all like bigger, better, fuller, like the next thing, the next, you know? And that's the opposite direction to, to where I want to be going with my practice. And so what I found really interesting was that quite a lot like that i thought well this is right for me you know this experience down and in grounded embodied is really where i'm at that brings me happiness you know and then what really surprised me was in my training i started to encounter more and more men who'd who'd been exploring that what i will call the up and out tantra for years you know and they still were able, they were still struggling with really making a heart connection with our partner, 
because I guess because some of them reported because they were look, always looking for the next high, the bigger thing. That, and so it was very hard for them to be present in relationships. And the other thing I started to discover and was relayed to me was there was still this, a lot of them were still struggling with compulsive behavior around their sexual energy, whether that was to pornography, whether that was towards um, masturbating more than they wanted to. And I really put that down to the the next buzz the next high where's my next fix of this like up and out experience when with the the Taoist practices and systems that I've kind of my lineage that I've trained in is even orgasm as we've said at the beginning of this conversation this might sound like an I'm speaking alien at the moment you know to anyone who hasn't done this stuff before but because orgasmic energy is a is a is a shifting scale we're there's a lot of and there's a lot of an in, uh, there's an invitation to explore the more cooler ends of the spectrum and to actually go into the subtle feeling of orgasmic energy which actually leads to less desire for the need to do the stress release or the big explosive experience it takes you into these delicious heart-based realms of groundedness connectivity and even you know like with our love making to to be able to to move from that place it just seems like you found a hidden key that no one told you about so yeah that's that's been my experience and um it's a, it's it's lovely hearing just two or three modules in with working with me a lot of these guys they, they're having not only is it blowing their mind that everything that they were chasing and trying to achieve through forcing, whether that was less ejaculation, watching less porn, or or simply having a more deeper and fulfilling love and connection with their partner, not just in the bed, but in daily life as well, was all happening. And what I was what one thing I love is towards the mid to the end of the trainings I give, so many men come to the training and says my wife or my partner says thank you <laughs> you know <laughs> I, they're, they're, they're so grateful I've done this training because now we're making love you know we're, we're having the kind of sex we we all th always thought was possible so yeah that's um, I, I you know I I would say that's my answer to your question I hope I've answered that so what do you feel around Beautiful. that because I know that you have a lot of similar thoughts about um, the the cooler end and you know, the, the more relaxed approach. Yeah. Well, as you know, as we, as we both explore it together and I, I, I feel we just open up to whole new realms of pleasure, like you say, because when we're just chasing the intensity and the high, it's, it's not that there's anything wrong with the high and the intensity can, can feel great, but when it's always heading towards there, we are often pushing ourselves to try to get there and then there can be this a disappointment if we don't <laughs> and you know it just puts so much pressure on the experience every single time and that's when it creates so many problems when couples feel stressed or they feel stuck or they feel they're in habit or you know and, and I feel this just relaxing into presence together and this love making when we explore the more subtle realms the cooler realms the warmer realms 
um it's just like whole new whole new levels of pleasure open up and um so so yeah absolutely so i'd love to to hear from you um for the you know particularly for any men listening um of course they can come and do your course um however if that's not possible or an option for for whatever reason you know what steps might they take to have a different relationship with their sexual energy so it's it's like every, everything you're you, what i would describe it is it just takes practice and what you're doing really is you're learning to be a mass really yoga meditation all these what we call call esoteric are very embodied and they're, they're they're teaching us how to take back control of our nervous system that's really what they're teaching us to do and there's deeper rounds that happen when when we start to do that more profound experiences so there's a there's a there's a such a so two things i would recommend okay is when you do a mindfulness training so the first thing you do on the first week is like eat a raisin and take your time taste the raisin you know feel the flavors or i think a lot of mindfulness training take a shower and notice you're having a shower in other words, instead of being somewhere else, just feel the water on your skin. Feel, and that starts to become beautiful, incredible. So mindful eating, you know, a lot of Buddhist practices. So for example, meditation practice, mindful walking. So you walk at, at simply 75% of the pace you usually walk at and notice you're walking. That's it. So that's So if we understand that by slowing down, becoming present to an experience makes it more beautiful why not bring that into self-pleasure why not bring that into lovemaking so the, the 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 simplest task is start to find moments of mindfulness not only during lovemaking but in your day you know maybe go for a walk and spend five or ten minutes of that walk feeling your feet on the earth and walking slightly slower notice how that makes you feel once you understand that approach maybe start and bring that to self-pleasure maybe slow it down by 75 percent don't make it about you know what the i remember wayne dyer saying you know the the one of the beautiful things about dancing is you're not trying to get to the end of the dance or you're not listening to a piece of music thinking oh my god just get to the end because that's my favorite you know i can't wait for the end of this beautiful tune <laughs> you're like you don't want the tune to come to an end it's so good and if you're on a beautiful walk you like we've been out walking it's like oh we're nearly back now and this is such a beautiful walk because the walk itself as they say in zen you know the 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 path the path is the goal so if we can bring that into self-pleasure and love making uh, that can be profound you know just that the ability to be present to slow down to feel to connect that's where the love is you know that's where the love is and I, I love the reflection we've sometimes had on our on our couples work where you know maybe a couple has been together 30 40 years and and we we do some exercises with them usually on the the first week and they look at their partner and say, oh, there you are. In other words, I'm not seeing you through the eyes of stress. 
or through the eyes of tension anymore. I'm just stopping for a while, slowing down and seeing myself and seeing you when I don't project the stressful story. Exactly the same with lovemaking. So treat, um, treat lovemaking and self-pleasure as a mindfulness meditation practice and see if you can start to notice that that sliding scale, so to speak, if you don't mind the euphemism. <laughs> so the sliding scale and just maybe try one day. This might be hard, but, you know, that's why there's training that I offer. But see if you can not ejaculate one day and just just massage, just be mindful. Just that alone can have a revolutionary effect on our love connection uh, how we live our life, how much energy we have through the day, just that alone. So that's usually a good starting place, not just for lovemaking, but for communication. When we're having a conversation, can we slow down, listen and be present? You know, there's so much we can do around that. You know, as a Tai Chi teacher, this is second nature for my for, for my nervous system now. So, yeah, that's why I, I love that. And, and thank you, because so many people all genders have masturbation or sex to reach the end to feel the relaxation <laughs> and not actually paying that attention to the journey and I love that analogy of the song you know you don't rush to the end of the song <laughs> um, you enjoy the song so just dropping in just that alone can be a game changer for anyone listening actually and you mentioned there around ejaculation and it's a very interesting topic and you know I always suggest to, 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 to men experiment with not ejaculating just because so many men have never not ejaculated it's so used to if you have an erection and an all and uh, you have to get to a place where you ejaculate and actually just to experiment and see what happens when you don't ejaculate and um, I laugh because sometimes over the years like men have been like I'm not going to get through the day and then they come back and the concept of blue balls and all of this and then they come back going oh wow that was really fascinating and then my my balls didn't explode and <laughs> so I'd love you to talk about um your your views on non-ejaculation because there's so much dogma out there as well of like you know you should never do it or you should do it this amount of rigid time so I'd just love to hear your perspective. My perspective is that um I don't I, I don't like rules in any way, you know, do or don't ejaculate. No problem, whatever you want. So uh, I love that in the Tao Te Ching, Lao Tzu says, when we lose sense of our naturalness, our natural beingness and our natural ability to feel the way of our life, that's when we turn to rules and regulations. But he said, that's the beginning of chaos. Try not to go down that path. Come back to the naturalness. And so that's what I teach around orgasms. If you want to do it, do it. If you don't want to do it, do it. But what I encourage is a certain way of, with the men, initially doing self-pleasure in a very specific way. But then eventually, as you you describe the, the blue balls thing, that's a very real thing, which is why I don't just stop at mindful self-pleasure because then you'll build up even more what I call the jing energy in the penis and the testicles. And that's the important part of training with someone who knows what they're doing with sexual energy. In other words, how to move that out of 
you know that trapped or that stuck feeling in the 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 penis and the testicles through certain energy pathways or you know within the body so you can distribute that chi and it doesn't get stuck and it doesn't feel hot and, and stuck there um right let me just remember your question <laughs> so original question so is around your views on ejaculation non-ejaculation so yeah so I beat myself up for years because it's like, why can't I just be a yogi and never ejaculate ever again? Because like, that's what they seem to do in the books and it seems easy. But what, what's interesting to me is I notice in relationship, there's a tendency to want to ejaculate more than when I'm single. And I think it's because there is a, a sexual charge that builds up in the in the, the 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 yin yang what I call frequency between us both. So I find you know that there's more sexual energy in relationship, certainly relationship with you, um, than I would have if I was on my own. So I think a, a path of what they would call the Easter householder, someone who's in settled down in a committed relationship. I think maybe celibacy isn't actually even a, a, a good way because it can create disconnection and tension and, and withdrawal. So I don't know how useful it is in, in that, you know, sp only speaking from my own preference. So where I'm up to in my journey now is just let it be. Like, of course, when the guys are on my training, I try and encourage them and give them techniques, which will certainly help them have much more control over that. And they all report to me during the training. Wow, and they, it blows their mind. It's like, I don't know what's happened. I, I, you know, not all of them, but so one of them might say, I came in the other night and I wanted to watch porn and I put it on and it was boring. <laughs> so I just turned it off again. That's, I hear that occasionally. And, um, and then the other guys just lost interest in, in it whatsoever. But I've never once, and this is the example I'm giving, I've never told them to do that. There's no expectation. I have no rules, no regulations. I just say, come back to your practice, feel good, you know, get to know your energy, get to stimulate it, move it and become aware of it in these specific ways. And so what I notice in me is that my sexual energy behavior or my relationship to my sexual self over the years of doing these practices is just changing naturally and so for example now i don't heat my sexual energy up as much as i used to the i feel sustained by it in ways i didn't before and i don't feel as much as a, of a need to release tension because the tension isn't there in my sexual being it's like it tends to be more of a gentle hum so so i would say that i apply this to everything including men's work you know just connect with your presence your presence of being regularly and then it's like everything else just falls into place you're not trying to figure it out or force it with your mind i see this in like the some of the no fat movements and celibacy movements that men are, are trying out and many are failing and feeling terrible and guilty and all that kind of stuff unnecessarily because it's such a potent energy it's you can't just think it away you know but in most cases you know some cases maybe but so um all i say to my men is do these practices without any rules or regulations and they find a few things they don't seem to want to ejaculate as much 
but it's natural, it's not forced. Uh, and the other thing is when they do have orgasms, they are mind blowing for them. You know, like literally can feel like they're having these full body orgasms as the, the energy and the pleasure just blasts through all their nervous system and their cells. Sometimes they're tingling on top of the head. And, and so that's natural. For, so, yeah, so I, I don't have a, a strong view on it just to experiment don't conform to any rules, trust your own nervous system. This whole process should feel relaxing and should feel good. As you know, I think Ram Das, the American spiritual teacher, reflected on once, he said, you know, there's nothing worse than a horny celibate. <laughs> you know, someone. And here's the other thing that's interesting around that. This, this, the communities I know, especially tantric communities, which have built up around this idea of don't ejaculate, you know, all these rules and regulations around sexual energy, they're usually the ones when that's where all the scandal turns out to be, where they have all these philosophies of forced non-ejaculation, force this, force that, and these are the rules. And, and then you hear these stories where none of that was going on behind the scenes. So not only were they not being honest about their own experience with the sexual energy and non-ejaculation, but they were usually creating screwed up students that just presumed they must be getting something wrong because they still want to ejaculate. Now, they've, now they're in a battle with themselves until eventually they do ejaculate. Now they're in a battle with themselves because they feel guilty and shameful. So that's why I say no rules, no regulations, do your practice, feel good and notice what happens. That's really my approach to that. Mm. Mm, yeah, thank you for sharing. And... Um... And, it, you know, just to maybe it might be helpful to just give people more of a sense of the some of the energetics, because you talked about that moving sexual energy so the heat doesn't remain in the genitals, which can create that discomfort. And it's that. So so maybe you could share a little bit about your philosophy or what that might look like to move the sexual energy. Mm. Really, it's a, it's when we haven't made our sexual energy as men consciousness uh, in conscious it, it's always out so we're, we're sending our mind out into fantasy we're sending our eyes out into pornography or to to you know horniness horny images you know um so really the the first level of controlling sexual energy you know or, or redirecting it will be a, another word is instead of outwards, which of course the, the ultimate outwards is ejaculation, it's more inwards. So how do I bring it up and into my body? Now there's very specific ways of doing that. And um, some of them, you know, we spend two weeks just going into the basics of how to move that correctly, because it's important to know how to move that correctly and also how to set the frequency of that energy. So you don't want to blow your circuits, you know? So some of the techniques that it, it's not totally wise for me to explain them mm. without a, a lot of pre preparatory work, which we do in the first two modules, yeah. but a very simple way. Let's look at a really simple way. So a really simple way will be from something called uh, testicular breathing um, in the Taoist philosophy, which is nothing more than, you know, focus on the testicles, perineum, and simply as you breathe in, imagine 
drawing any feeling of energy. You could imagine light or a feeling of peace or happiness from the testicles and the penis. And as you breathe in, you just imagine drawing up through the center of your body, inner smiling and then relaxing. And that's the first you know, exercise, very simple exercise of how to draw energy up through the body. One of the other really useful preparatory techniques I teach the brothers to do on the first module is to start a Qigong practice because uh, this prepares the, what would they call the meridians or the, you know, the dragon lines in the body or the, they're called uh, the nadis, nadis in yoga. That prepares these channels so that when we start to move that energy, it moves much more efficiently and in, in a very safe and beautiful way, you know. So yeah, mm. yeah really, it's that it's the mind that that moves the chi in my experience. So what you're learning, you know, the matrix thing is it's not the spoon that bends Neo, it's your mind or something like that. So we're we're simply learning how to move awareness and mind in the body in a very specific way that creates this wholeness, happiness, peace, wisdom, love, you know, mm. and uh, vitality. And I love what you share because I think, you know, that in the in about having a Qigong practice, because the Taoist philosophy says that sexual energy also amplifies emotions. So if we bring that sexual energy in and raise it and expand it and we're feeling really angry, we might expand our anger or we might expand our sadness. And the Qigong practices really helps us to move the energy to um, move stagnant chi, move stagnant energy to open up the pathways so that then when we meet our sexual energy, our body meets it from a very different place. Well, we all know those yoga instructors, and I think I was probably one for a few years, where they've done yoga, tai chi, meditation practice, healing practices for years, and they just seem to be angry. <laughs> <laughs> and resentful or full of pride and like I'm the best and everyone else is terrible kind of thing. I'm not saying I haven't done that myself in the past. I hopefully I'm getting a bit better at that. But and so that's frequency. That's the understanding of understanding as you're describing. It's not just about moving sexual emotion, but it's it's the frequency of sexual emotion. And I, am I using energy to pump up my my pride? You know, my better than everyone else-ness. Am I using sexual energy to get more resentful and frustrated by moving resentful frustration? Am I am I using it to to create artificial humility? That the, the artificial humility is that if I act or believe I'm less than everyone else, then I'll know I'm better than everyone else. <laughs> so it's like it's not real, you know. So, so this is the importance, as you described, appropriate qigong or yoga practice to stretch and open the body, but also the right attitude, which is, a, you know, Mantak mm. Chi famous, famously brought the inner smile technique. Am I, am I bringing a smile through my body or a frown? <laughs> so this is a really important part of setting the vibration, the, the, the frequency of the emotion and the chi, I would describe it. Yeah, that loving presence, that loving smile. Yes. Yeah, thank you for bringing that in. Mm. I'd love to wrap up this conversation with having a conversation about 
masculinity because you know you do men's work and I know that you work with men on a one-to-one basis and you know you work with the sexual energy but you also work with more than, than that as well and one of the things I want to do more with the podcast is having these conversations about masculinity femininity what that means and you know um, because I think they're really important in our, our time today so I'd love you to share what ma- you know and also there's so much nonsense out there so much this is how a man should be or this is how a woman should be so much um extremism um division you know around it in these times so for me i think these put in these these conversations are, there's there's a to bring healing to bring understanding to to move the conversation on um, so I'd love to hear from you, like, how do you define masculinity? Such a great question. Um, so I try not to, because <laughs> as soon as you <laughs> define something, you create a, a rule. Na- masculinity is very natural. So I, one of my favorite spiritual teachers, a guy called Krishna Das in America, um, very down to earth, grounded, beautiful human being by the looks of it. And he say, he spoke he spoke about spiritual what we could call spiritual growth or healing growth or becoming actualizing ourselves, and he said with a lot of these practices, you know that we could call it the more meditative. I use the word spiritual very loosely because of the misuse of it. Um, he said all you're doing is taking a plant and placing it in the light, and in the light it just grows into what it's meant to be naturally. That's it's that simple. You know, a lot of people, they try and create a masculine idea in their mind and then they try and live up to it. You know, I'll force myself to be this behavior pattern this way. But this is the opposite to the, the natural way, the natural approach. The natural approach is how can I put my personality into the light, you know, and the light within me, the light of awareness, the light of compassion, the light of availability to myself. How can I allow myself to exist in the presence of love? And then even my love. And then within the presence of the love, my own light, my own beauty, my own acceptance, my own wisdom, my own evolving understanding, my masculinity, if you like, myself as a man will just grow naturally. We were watching a beautiful program um, I'm actually, I had some reservations about it thinking back the other night, but there was an experiment <laughs> they, 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 they showed and it was a, a baby, a very, very famous experiment. And when I just saw still this, face. Like, what's that still face? And I was like, I just yeah. saw the transmission. It, oh, this is everything. So the, 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 for those who don't know the, the experiment. So a mother sits with a baby gives it loads of attention, pulls faces, speaks to it, interacts with the baby, the child, and the baby laughs and, and plays and is very playful and joyful. And then the, the mother is asked to look away and then look back with no facial expression, no interaction, just staring without any emotional response to the baby. Baby looks surprised at first, and it's heartbreaking, if I'm honest, to watch. Luckily, they only do it for maybe 30 seconds a minute. I was watching it, felt like a lifetime. So how I don't, that mother must have been like, oh my God, I'm glad this is over. So the still face of the mother, the baby 
literally can't be in its body anymore. It squirms, it screams, it's getting no love. No, you're okay. No, you know, I, you're worthy of my attention and my availability. Not all of that is withdrawn. And this baby goes into trauma because it doesn't feel like it's okay and doesn't know what to do about it. As adults, we are the same creature. We're the same baby in certain respects. So the, my, my, that was my really understanding of this Tao, this nature. It's like if a man is brought into the presence of love, maybe that's from other men, like in a men's group. Maybe it's as me as a facilitator. Maybe it's their own, their own avail availability to their own compassion and love and acceptance towards themselves. As soon as the woman, the mother, looks away again, looks back, shows the love for the baby, baby relaxes, becomes what it is, playful, joyful again, in a very short period of time. It was just love that was missing. That's all. And so that's that's the path. Like, how do we return our personality, our sense of self to acceptance, love, what I would call light, and that in that lightheartedness, that lightness of being. In that, we start to, like the plant is put back into the light, no matter if it's, you know, on its way out, you know, I have two plants, you know, you know in, my, in my Tai Chi room, they were on the way out. So I bought two artificial full spectrum white lights and now they're coming back to life again. I put them back into the light. I love them. I speak to them as well, of course, and stroke them and say, thank you for growing. <laughs> and they seem to enjoy that. So all I need, I didn't need to send them on a course. I didn't need to get them to read a book. I didn't bring another plant in that was bigger to teach them how to be a plantier plant. <laughs> I just put the light on and they, they've started to grow again. They're becoming, they're actualizing themselves. And so this self-actualization, you know, it goes back years. You know, the word self-actualization came from, I think it, I think it's Maslow, and, but I think Carl Rogers relates a story that there's a sack of potatoes in a cellar and then they've got no chance of actualizing themselves to the fullness of what they can be, you know. And so um, there's a light, there's a break in the bricks and the light is shining through the bit of the bricks onto the potatoes. And he notices these potatoes are sprouting and the sprouts are going to the light. So even in the worst conditions that, that, that they couldn't actualize themselves still, they were attempting to reach for the light, the, you know, their, their, their potential for growth. So if we bring the fullness of love and acceptance, you know, we start growing correctly again. And so with my men's work, it's really how can I bring the men into that acceptance so they can listen to each other, speak to each other openly. I give them meditation techniques, ways of befriending their emotional states. And then it just happens, you know, naturally. So that's my approach to 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 men's work. Mm, thank you. And also, you know, one of the things that you talk about a lot is the qualities, you know, and I, I use this word lightly of the masculine because I, 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 you know, it's a whole nother conversation that, but the qualities of, for example, like presence is something that you work with so much you know that that you talk about acceptance you talk about love but I hear you talk a lot about presence so I'd love you to speak to that as well presence is um what you would call in the in the, the, the more the the tantric traditions 
So you have Shiva, Shakti, Yin, Yang. These are the inequalities of of um, Carl Jung spoke about anima and animus. This we could call that the broken female and male archetypes or parental archetypes that are expressions of the of the conditioned self within us. And so then uh, he kind of stopped there. But then in Eastern philosophy, we, we said that we also have divine archetypes, you know, that we, we hunger for divine archetypes, which is why we have, you know, figures like Mother Mary and Christ. These are representatives of the, the pure archetypal energy within us that are longing for that per perfect presence of being from which we can grow. And so then without going too deeply into that, just time permitting, is that with a lot of men I work with, what we're doing is we build up the, the, the energy in what I call the lower chakras or lower dantian. This is the roots of the tree of our life. So for a tree not to get blown away in a storm, to, to meet the intensity of energy, which we call, call shakti, the, the emotional quality, movement and energy, the, the, the Taoists say that, you know, the tree that with the deep, the deep, strong roots doesn't get blown away in the storm. The storm being the storm of the mind, the storm of the emotional body, the storm of the perceived world outside ourselves. The, 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 the tree that stays strong, still present and available has strong roots. So the strong roots on an energy, this is the Shiva quality. Shiva in the, 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 the Vedantic philosophy of yoga sits still and calm in the cave in in presence and stillness and then poverty the heart quality of the heart what we call to call the feminine that we all have within us beckons shiva out the cave to to be with her in other words the harmony uh, harmony of still calm awareness and felt emotion and, and when those two in harmony we call that love you know so yeah the 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 the, the masculine quality which is part of all of our being, is the ability. So, for example, when we're in conversation, um, can I be in my masculine, which I would say from an esoteric point of view, if we're using that word lightly again, is can I be present? Can I be still and calm and available to, as you're processing your day or your emotions or what's happening for you at the moment? So that that's the that's how that still calm presence of being enhances romantic relationship. It also there's a I think this is there's a there's a story and I think it's Jason and the Argonauts where the uh, there's a there's an ocean they're crossing and Jason wants to see what these I think they're like mermaids or something like this and. What these 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 beings do is they sing sailors into the into the sea, um, to the, and, and to their death. And what what I, I think this is pointing to is that often water is emotion, and so then he says the only way that I'm going to be able to explore the song of these mermaids without getting drawn into the ocean and drowning is if you can tie me to the mast of the ship, and however much i complain don't untie me don't and i'll ask you to untie me don't untie me till we're through this 
And so this is the relation, I think, of the, 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 the awareness and the emotional body. If you're just tied to a mast all the time, very boring, not moving, nothing happening. But and if you're, you're completely drawn into emotions, they can drown you and pull you into the depths. But when we have that, that mixture, I mean, it's amazing that it's a staff because energetically in Taoism, it's called the central channel, is the, is the, is the, is the, the pole through the body and that that's what we call the center that's what we call coming back to the center the stillness and the availability so yeah the the shiva quality divine masculine uh, is the, the the ability to be available calm and uh responsive as opposed to reactive to our partner to ourselves and to life and then the shakti is the quality of the heart the movement of emotion the feeling and when those two in harmony we have plenty. So yeah, with these practices, they teach how to meet even sexual energy is the, some of the most powerful emotional energy we have. So when we have the Shiva quality of awareness, we can really experience the intensity of our sexual self, but without getting drawn in and losing ourselves in it. So that's a, the quickest and simplest way I can think to describe that. I hope that was useful. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you so much. So wrapping up, I'd love to hear where people can find you. Please share yes. where they can find you online. Absolutely. So there's two places, predominant places. Um, I'm not really doing much on Instagram, but my main thing is Facebook. I put posts up as regularly as I can most days. So please come and send me a friend's request. Be lovely to connect with you on Facebook and dialogue with you there. Also, I have my website, Graham Waterfield, spelled G-R-A-E-M-E, Waterfield, as one word, grahamwaterfield.co.uk. And there you'll find, you know, if you do want more information on my Sexual Energy Mastery for Men course, or, or even our uh, couples course, which we'll be running again some point next year, uh, just reach out and I'd love to tell you more, answer any questions, and you can always sign up for my course in January as well <laughs> and change your life. <laughs> <laughs> The male sexual energy. Fantastic. And is there any final wisdom you'd love to share? Hmm, I think I've covered everything. Thank you so much for having me along today. I've really enjoyed uh, talking about this aspect of my uh, my work. And uh, it's lovely to see you here as well in the room upstairs again. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so, so much. It's been a pleasure as always. And see you in 30 seconds. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Love, Sex and Intimacy podcast with me, Sarah Rose Bright. I support women and couples across the globe to truly enjoy sex and pleasure and to create or deepen intimate relationships that are passionate and purposeful, happy and healthy, and I'd love to support you. You can book a complimentary call via my website at sarahrosebright.com to find out if my approach is right for you. And check out my website for information about my one-to-one -one coaching programs and any current workshops, group programs and retreats that I'm running. Wherever and whenever you are listening, wishing you a beautiful day.